A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 54. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Welcome to Thrive Thursday with Dr. Yishai. This week on The Business Couch with me, I had Wilson Casado, co-founder and managing partner of the Australian operations of the international management consulting firm Visagio. Wilson is a passionate leader extraordinaire who revels in creating transformation in entrepreneurs, businesses, and systems reaching so many sectors and countries. In episode 52, Wilson talks about lessons he learned the hard way from solopreneurship, about burnout, and about creating and maintaining cultures that lead to incredible performance in teams and organizations. In episode 53, Wilson shares his experience and perspective with angel investing and what businesses need to be investable. We wrap up with another couch round in which Wilson reflects on mistakes and growth as a business founder and leader. If you haven't yet, Check out episodes 52 and 53, and share them with someone who would enjoy and benefit from Wilson's experience, wisdom, and expertise. Today, I'm talking about how to harness the way our brains anticipate to adapt and thrive as entrepreneurs and leaders in business. I talk research, share my take on two different styles of adaptation, and the consequences that emerge from the different approaches. I also share a practice you can do to harness the power of your emotion system for yourself, your business, your teams, and your clients. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they had so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. 
you can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching or dryishai.com slash consulting. Now, without further ado, let's dive into harnessing anticipation to adapt and thrive. Do you know when you'll be hungry? Is there an exact or consistent time that, if you prepare in advance and feed yourself, you won't end up starving and scrounging to stuff whatever you can in your face just to make the hunger pangs disappear? If you've got a morning routine that includes setting yourself up for breakfast, then you'll know that it's a critical part of getting a jumpstart on productivity for your day. Personally, I make myself a protein shake with coffee every single morning at pretty much the same exact time. It's part of how I get my day going. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, I used to have a really tough time figuring out what to eat. And half the time, because it was too much effort in the moment or because I was rushing out the door, I would grab something like a bar, a yogurt, or just skip breakfast entirely. As it turns out, there are pieces of routines that are incredibly important. For example, research shows that having routines for meals, mornings, and bedtimes can really help ensure you're getting the right nutrition, start to a productive day, and sound sleep. But there are also potential downsides to that. For example, other research shows that when a workout is part of our morning routine and then we miss it in the morning, that we're actually significantly less likely to end up doing a workout at all the rest of the day. So having everything depend on a routine can be a recipe for missing key parts of your day if the routine is disrupted, which might be why so many people have a difficult time with sleep on weekends or continuing eating healthy during the holiday season or returning to their regular eating plan afterwards. Routines and habits are often most effective when they take into account key information about how your brain and body works what you need, and when. Then you can anticipate, set up systems, make decisions in advance, and take care of many of your needs in a more streamlined, automatic way. When you slow down, make intentional choices, revisit and tinker with them based on your needs and how they change at different times in the week, month, year, or decade you are engaging what I would call proactive adaptation. Conversely, if you just go on autopilot without thinking about what the consequences are, only to have the outcomes begin to misalign with your needs or changes that naturally happen, you can end up in a place where you suddenly wake up one morning but can't get out of bed. Or you find yourself having so much work, so many directions, and so many projects that you're no longer eating at your usual times, taking breaks, getting the rest that you need, and eventually you become completely paralyzed with stress and overwhelm. It's an accumulation of unmet needs, lack of slowing down to take stock, resistance to tinkering at the early signs, and not allowing yourself to anticipate, shift your decisions and goals, and realign your routines or ways that you meet your needs to rise up to the challenge. This concept exists in the tech world in a slightly different way. When a tech company creates software and launches their product to the market, by necessity, they undergo a consistent process of getting feedback, 
iterating and improving their product to better and better serve the needs of their clients. When companies do not do this, they can fall behind really quickly, struggle to thrive, and even put their survival at risk. But it's not just what they do with the feedback, it's how they do it that has a ripple effect on the company too. One common approach is just to graft and patch the existing program with new features, like a patchwork quilt, but without any plan at the outset for the shape and structure of the finished product. And it can start to look like a bit of a mess. Another way of thinking about it is like trying to grow a tree by gluing new branches onto existing ones instead of planting and nurturing the seed, consistently giving it the sunlight, nutrients, and water it needs to survive. At some point, like a snowball, the minor issues and glitches of approaching the process of improving their product compounds on itself to the point that every new change is a real pain to implement and causes a cascade of other glitches, threatening to create an avalanche of problems. This process and the growing need to eventually rebuild the software in a more integrated way is called tech debt. How is tech debt a useful model for adaptation? Let's come back to routines, habits, and adapting them. Every time something changes about your business or life, it requires an adjustment. Your brain and body give you that feedback, just like clients give feedback on the bugs, glitches, and desired features. That feedback shows up in the form of emotions. Sometimes that's stress and overwhelm. Other times it may be disappointment, frustration, or anger. It might even be fear, guilt, embarrassment, shame. And sometimes it can even be excitement, hope, or feeling proud. Each of these is like a rating and review that our brains are giving our bodies to tell us about what's happening, what we need, and, if you remember from the past three weeks, provides data, direction, and drive. Different emotions show up under different parameters with different purposes, predicting and pushing us to update our operating system. And that's true whether it's for ourselves and our lives and our productivity or for our businesses. You got two choices of how you handle that. For some people, they ignore or minimally respond, kicking the can down the road. It leads to what I would call adaptation debt. The need to adapt accumulates over time until it reaches a critical mass and creates an avalanche of high-magnitude emotions and disruption in business and our lives. I'll give you a personal example of that. A few weeks ago, when the weather dropped below freezing, I started experiencing a bit of dryness and scratching in my throat. But instead of immediately thinking about how I can deal with it, I didn't really change any of my habits. I drink a lot of water on a daily basis, but I didn't switch to drinking tea or gargling with salt water or giving my throat the rest that it was telling me that it needs. So I ended up having to take four days of vocal rest over Thanksgiving weekend, gargling every hour with salt water and drinking three cups of tea per hour too. That was a lot I had to do, all because I kicked the can down the road and ignored the way my body and brain was communicating that I needed to adapt. I didn't tinker with or change my routines. Now for others, the other way of responding is to respond quickly in the moment and even slow down to take the time to anticipate and prepare for the future. They set themselves up to proactively adapt. In fact, I literally just paused twice while recording this episode to drink tea. 
because I decided to learn to take that pause, to pause recording, slow down, and take care of my throat and the feeling of frustration that tells me there's something I need to address right now in order to move forward. In the end, we all experience change, change in our needs, change in circumstance, change in business, change in the markets, change in what your clients and customers want and need. The need for adaptation will not go away, but it's how you choose to engage that will make a difference. In The Lean Startup by Eric Ries, he talks about the process of beginning with the most clunky, least refined version of a product or service and to intentionally put that into the market. Not because the goal is to provide substandard products or services, but because it is how people engage and provide feedback that necessarily shapes how the entrepreneur in business adapts in turn and then shapes the product to serve them better. Some people will buy the product and they will voice loud and clear what they like or don't like about it, what they wish it did have or didn't have. And that data is critical to choosing direction. Ultimately, it's those you serve who drive your company to its greatest heights or plowing into the ground. Notice the three Ds here, data, direction, and drive. They are critical to adaptation. Whether you want to begin with the leanest process and make consistent, rapid changes, or you want to refine it as much as you can in advance of testing and putting it into action, there will be a call to adapt. As Darwin put it, adapt to survive. But I think that's just the reactive adaptation, the accumulation of adaptation debt that necessitates change to continue meeting your goals and needs, or your clients and customers. You can be intentional and adapt to thrive, not just survive. How? At the early signs, and they can be subtle, slow down, take every bit of feedback as data, be intentional with your direction and willing to shift. Tap the brakes, reset your GPS, and then go full throttle forward. There's a quick exercise you can do, whether you're getting feedback from your clients and customers, your teams, or your own brain and body. First, take a pause. Consider that whatever input you are receiving, that is data to help you adapt. It can show up as a team member's complaint, a negative review, or some discomfort in your own body or mind. Breathe. Connect with your body. Slow down. Settle into that. Next, take the time and engage in an evaluative process. What was the customer's complaint? Are they representative of your ideal client or target market? If it's someone on your team, ask yourself what disruption might be underneath their communication. Is there a goal or need of theirs that was unfulfilled or obstructed and got in the way? Were you clear and aligned in communicating your expectations, and were they fully on board? If it's in your own body, ask yourself what the discomfort might be trying to get you to pay attention to or address. Rather than dwelling on what it's doing to you, ask yourself what the thought or sensation is trying to do for you. What goal or need is it bringing to the forefront? What outcome does it want you to achieve? 
most of the time, in processing this way, we can find key data that point us to make some adjustment in our direction. Finally, formulate a plan and take action. Consider and outline in as much detail in small, clear, measurable steps as you can, and then set it into motion. Three Ps. Pause, process, and plan of action. To recap, today I talked about the importance of harnessing the anticipatory part of our brains, the part of our emotion system and adaptation process that is a core element of pivoting and ensuring ongoing success. I covered two different responses when our emotion systems engage and let us know we may need to adapt. First is a reactive adaptation response, which can go so far as kicking the can down the road rather than addressing the need to change and pivot. This approach leads to adaptation debt, which is similar to tech debt in the accumulation of necessary change to the point of requiring a full overhaul of our operating systems whether in business or for ourselves as leaders and humans. A second approach is a more proactive approach. This looks more like the iterative process outlined in the Lean Startup of rapidly and repeatedly iterating with intention and anticipation to serve the needs of your clients and customers. This proactive adaptation approach is as applicable in adaptation to yourself and your teams as it is for your clients. I also outlined a three-step process to help you extract critical information, evaluate it, and make a plan of action to move forward more effectively than just waiting or ignoring. So take the time right now. Grab a pen and paper. Start to do those exercises. Anticipate your needs and goals, your team's needs and goals, your customers' needs and goals. Harness that data to direct yourself and drive yourself, your teams, your clients, and your business forward. And on that note, I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 